Make time to reflect on the past, take stock, celebrate progress and accomplishments, and then set goals and intentions for the future. Do this for yourself and for your learning business. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 391 of the Leading Learning Podcast. Though this episode won't air until January, Jeff, you and I are recording at the end of December, and so we want to engage in some year-end reflection, which has become a bit of a tradition for us, taking time to take stock. That's true. Good, A good tradition, and we're sharing our reflections as a reminder and encouragement to you, dear listener, to make the time to reflect on your own and if it's relevant, with your team. Reflection is just a a good practice, a great practice, but it's all too easy to skip since taking time to reflect isn't as pressing and urgent as many things on our to-do list, and since it doesn't necessarily have a concrete outcome. But reflection is an important activity for a learning business and those working in and for learning businesses. And Salisa, you and I are part of a learning business ourselves, and we'll try to be avatars and model the kind of behavior and reflection we encourage others to engage in. So when we look back at 2023, I think it would be interesting, perhaps, to think about wins from Mm. 2023. And we've been asking this question, what is something you would consider a win from the year past? We've been asking that in a variety of contexts. We've asked it in a, a webinar. We've asked it with uh, uh, on a staff meeting. We've asked it uh, in a mastermind that we're facilitating. And in general, I find it, it's a good question because it both um, prompts the reflection that is so important that we're talking about, but it also is this opportunity to celebrate. And I think there's a lot of good that can come from celebrating. It can help keep us and our teams motivated. It can even be an inspiration when someone hears what you've accomplished and they might think, you know what, I'm going to do that next year. Yeah, it's nice to hear, you know, all sorts of winning going on. Not that every year doesn't bring its challenges, you know, but you get you get to the end of the year, you're looking to the next one. And you do want to think about where you've where you've been successful in that past year. So maybe we can share a few of our own wins, Jeff, and we can maybe do some both personal and professional, perhaps. Sounds good. I know a big one for us here at Tagoras Central, parent company of Leading Learning, was that we hired an operations manager, something that we were sorely feeling the need for as we've kind of grown as a company and have those growing pains. And one thing we really needed to do that a, an ops manager could take the reins on was documenting processes and, and procedures. And we did end up making a lot of progress on that this year. I feel like operations kind of can be described a, a little bit the way we were describing reflection, where you know it's really important, but that idea of like mm-hmm. actually taking the time to document processes and procedures and really get some of that buttoned up can just feel like it's not as important as just getting the stuff done. But actually, just as reflection is really important and foundational, so is all of the, the sort of processes and, and just the operations of, of learning businesses in general. So I think that was for us a win to get that person on board and then to actually make some really good headway on processes, uh, documenting those. Not that there's still not lots to do, but we're going to celebrate that as, as wins. There. Yeah, yeah. I mean, plenty, plenty still to do. And, and one of the reasons that we wanted to do that, a key reason we wanted to do that is we're continuing to grow and evolve as a company, as a learning business. 
And that meant introducing some new offerings, um, which we also did in 2023. So one of those that comes to mind is the Learning Business Mastermind. So we kicked that off with a, a small group of a dozen learning business leaders, but we've really had it in the back of our minds for quite a while now that it would be really helpful, we thought, to uh, those in the learning business profession to be able to have a context in which they could really connect with other peers on a substantive, meaningful level, on a repeated time-based level, you know, so not just a one-off, you're meeting at a single conference, but something that's going to last at least a year and really begin to form some of those relationships and be able to share enough about what you're doing in your own organization so that others can potentially give you good input because they know enough about what you're doing, and then to also get to hear from a range of other learning business professionals. So we're definitely counting having kicked off our first learning business mastermind as a win from 2023. Definitely. And this is an executive level group, leaders of learning businesses. If you're hearing this and that describes you and you're interested, definitely drop us a line at leadinglearning at tagoras.com to find out more about where we're going with that. In addition to the mastermind, we launched a new online event, new online conference, the Learning Business Summit. And I'm sort of thinking of this as uh, kind of the, the, the best of two worlds that we created in the past. One is our annual live review event where we do demonstrations of, of learning platforms, you know, facilitated, very targeted for market-facing learning businesses. And then before that, kind of overlapping back in the past, we had an event called Learning Technology Design, which was, you know, really about being excellent in, in the learning business and in, in your design and your technology, just your everything about being in the learning business. And we've sort of synthesized those and focused them into an event that's just really focused on being in the learning business and organized around three themes, the themes that run through all of our work, reach, revenue, and impact. And we'll be kicking that off. We've already got registrations for it. We've already got patrons for it. And we'll be hosting that in late January, early February, 2024. Right. So we're counting it as a win for 2023 in the sense of we, we got it launched, but right, it won't actually take place right. until early 2024. And then in terms of when I look back at the year past, I think one of the other areas that I'm going to call a win is just that we've had sort of a aha a realization that we really should just really focus much more clearly on learning businesses and that concept of learning business and really trying to build a sense of community, a sense of shared purpose in and among those serving that adult lifelong learning market, you know, whether they're offering continuing education, professional development, all of those organizations that are really targeting those adult professional learners, they have a lot in common. And so just there's a lot that can come with that clarity on our side around what we focus on. And actually you hear in the names of those two uh, mm -hmm. other wins we shared, Learning Business Mastermind, Learning Business Summit already sort of a greater clarity, a greater focus on that piece. And so for us, I think I'm going to count that as a win because I think anytime you have something that helps you have greater clarity and greater focus in what you're doing, that's very helpful. One of the reasons we're doing that is to, to try to cultivate this sense of identity, you know, as learning business professionals. A lot of the folks who follow us work in say a trade or professional association. So they identify as an association professional or they may work in continuing education at a university and they identify as a higher education professional, but there's this overlap. Yeah, same with commercial training firms. All of these types of entities are in the learning business and it means something to be a person who is working in a market-facing business to, to serve adult lifelong learners and, and, and just really trying to 
you know, kind of cultivate and solidify that sense of identity. So those are some of the wins that come to mind when we think about Tagoras and leaning learning from 2023. Jeff, do you feel like sharing a, a personal win from 2023? Sure. It, it took me almost the, the whole year to accomplish uh, one of my biggest personal wins, which was to get into the studio and actually professionally record a, a record of my songs, something of wanted to do for you know, quite a long time. And we did an earlier episode around some of the practice that went into this to, to polish and, and refine those songs. And I'll be, you know, out playing them live in, in places. But this was sort of a sort of a bucket list item for me. They're not quite because it's something that, you know, I just, I want to do going forward. I hope this is not, it's my first, I hope it's not my last <laughs> record, but uh, just getting a, a record recorded. There's still some stuff to do to mix it and things like that. It'll actually be released in 2024, but the, the vast majority of it is done. I've recorded the guitar, I've recorded the vocals and looking forward to the final product now. I think with both the recording, you in the studio that time, and then as we were talking about with the summit, I mean, there's something about the nature of wins, even when we look back and look at what's been accomplished very often those things are ongoing, right? So it's sort of, but it's still useful, I think, to pause and see what has been accomplished. Even if it's part of an ongoing effort, you can celebrate those little wins along the way. So congratulations, Jeff, for getting those songs recorded. Thank you. And on your side, what's uh Well, I don't think I have as clear of a win as you do, but I do, I have sort of a, a goal in the back of my mind. It, it came from a, a poet friend who shared from a teacher that she had, and I unfortunately do not remember who that teacher was, but he said, you know, send out at least 100 submissions. So I'm a poet, and so my goal is to send out 100 submissions with the idea that that's probably going to be 100 rejections, but mm -hmm. at least you're doing the work to put it out there. And so... I did not hit 100, at least yet, and I don't think I'm going to in the uh, little remaining time in 2023. But I got over, let me see, I think I got over 50. So I'm at least sort of halfway there. So again, for me, I'm going to count that as a win, that it was at least, you know, sending, doing the work of sending stuff out there. I can't control whether they say yes or no, but I can do the work to send them out there. And so for me, this is a win in the sense of it's a reminder to kind of control what you can control and then don't worry about the rest. So hit send and then whatever happens. I think it's also a reminder to me that it can be good to have these these KPIs, right? To kind of know mm. what or have a target in mind. So at least having this idea of, oh, I'm aiming for about a hundred lets me know, well, I didn't hit a hundred, but I made, you know, substantial progress, progress that way. Yeah, so. yeah. As Teddy Roosevelt is so famous for saying, you gotta get in the arena. You know, and uh, you'll see how it turns out once you get in there. But if you don't get in there, nothing happens. We offer these wins from our side, not so much uh, to sort of say, ha, look at what we've done, but more, again, as a trying to walk the walk, trying to be an avatar and encouraging you to really pause and take some time to think about your own wins from 2023. Once you've thought about them, share them. That can be with your team and then ask to hear wins from others that you work with. It can be, as we said, you know, in inspiring and it can create just a good sense of energy, you know, that there's just a certain satisfaction that comes from having achieved something. Yeah. And we'd love to hear about them too. So, you know, Feel free to, you can comment on the show notes for this episode, or you can email them to us at leadinglearning@tagoras.com. post them on LinkedIn, plenty of places to reach us. We always cover those uh, throughout the episode. So. 
At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning, and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you are looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com services. So we've shared some more personal to us and our business reflections from 2023, but maybe we can kind of just widen the, the lens a little bit and look kind of broader, bigger picture at 2023. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the, the things that just, I, you know, kept evolving was just to continue to be a big issue in 2023 is just trust, or, you know, maybe more accurately, the distrust. And we highlighted distrust uh, when looking back at, at 2022 in an episode that we recorded about this time a, a year ago. And it just seems like an even stronger issue now. You got you know deep fakes and AI taking off, um, all of this content being churned out that you just, you don't really know who's behind it, you know, half the time or where it's really coming from. We recently did an interview with Melanie Diesel, who really focuses on this, particularly around brands. You know, and of course, we all have brands. We have to develop the trust in, in those brands. And it's a really challenging issue these days. Another kind of broader issue or current that lies under 2023, when I look back, is just the balance of face-to-face versus online mm. interaction and face-to-face versus online learning as well. And it just seems like getting that balance right is very tricky. And it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all. It really seems to depend on the audience and the subject matter and and all sorts of other things going on. Perhaps, you know, whether or not there's a a new strain of a virus that's out there and, and causing havoc. But I know we've certainly heard a lot about this in the Learning Business Mastermind that we mentioned earlier we sort of have a range of views and experiences there. Some folks are having great success at returning to face-to-face. Their audience is just really hungry to be back there and be there, um, able to shake hands and you know have those hallway informal conversations. But then we've also heard from others where mm-hmm. trying to go back to face-to-face has not gotten the numbers that they would have been able to drop pre-pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take years, I think, to really sort out this uh, kind of post COVID world. But of course, COVID just really punctuated what we were already evolving towards anyway, you know, with online learning really being mainstream at this point, you know, virtual events certainly had traction before COVID, got a lot more traction because uh, of COVID. Um, But just, you know, the evolution and how people think about work now, how they think about work travel, how they think about networking at this point, different generations sort of, you know, having grown up with different expectations around this. We're going to be sorting this one out for a long time, but we definitely felt it really strongly in 2023. On a personal note, I know we went back to some in-person attending, some Mm in-person conferences in 2023. And in many cases, that was wonderful. I mean, it was great to actually see some people that, you know, hadn't seen maybe in uh, a couple years at that point. And so that was rewarding at some level. But there's also then sort of that the hassle of getting out of the office, getting on a plane, wondering if you're going to catch something while you're traveling or at the event, all of that. And we chose, obviously, to keep the Learning Business mm-hmm. Summit as an online event. And, and for us, we just felt like 
it actually helps uh, a bit with the um, accessibility, not in the sense of people with uh, disabilities, but in the sense of who is able to have kind of the budget and carve out the time that it might take to participate in a educational experience like that conference. It would be very different if you're trying to fly somewhere for three days. Yeah. And I, you know, and I still hear a lot from folks about you just can't have, you know, a great online experience, that sort of thing, which, which, you know, just say hogwash. I mean, we've put a lot of time and effort into sort of understanding how to do it well and, and learning how to deliver well. You know, every organization needs to do that. Even if you're mostly face-to-face, it's just, there are just very few organizations where holding some form of online events shouldn't be part of your portfolio at this point and learning how to do that really well and deliver a great experience. You know, that's just, that's, that's forever important going forward. You know, that's not going to go away. So these are just a couple of broader issues, this distrust issue, and then the balancing of face-to-face and online. Those are two broader issues that we see when we look at 2023. We encourage you, dear listener, to take some time to reflect on the broader 2023 landscape and think about what impacted you and your learning business, and then what has the potential to continue to impact you in 2024 and beyond. And so just being aware of that broader context can be very useful and perhaps can give you some insight into what you might do to better respond to your audience's needs. So as we continue to look back on 2023, we thought it would be interesting and important to to highlight some areas that we saw really kind of tip and solidify in 2023. And these are areas where learning businesses are engaged in activities sort of as a a standard practice at this point. And well, let's talk about what those are because every learning business needs to be aware of them at this point and probably needs to be doing something with them. Before we get to those areas, I'll just note a little bit more backstory on where this data is coming from. We ran a an online survey in the fourth quarter of 2023. We got responses from 115 learning businesses that make up this data that we're about ready to share Thank you, thank you for anyone listening who took the time to respond to that survey. We are truly grateful for that. Absolutely. A lot of people love to get this data, use this data. As you might uh, expect or suspect, a much smaller fraction actually contribute to it. Uh, Please, please, you know, if we send these surveys out, boy, we're so thankful. If If you do participate, it makes all the difference. So based on those responses that we got, What we noticed is that, well, we asked about 14 areas. We're going to talk more about the survey data in an upcoming episode. But for now, what we wanted to share was that out of the 14 areas that we asked about, and we asked the respondents, are you already doing something in this area? Are you planning to begin doing something in this area in 2024? Are you not planning to do anything in this area? And basically, we noticed that there are some things that really used to be kind of fringe or bleeding edge that have really become standard practice. And so... Over 50% of the respondents in the 2023 survey said that they are already active, already doing something in five of the 14 areas we asked about. And so we can just talk about what those are. The first one is combining online and face-to-face learning. 70.4% are already doing something with combining online and face-to-face. And I think COVID probably had to play a role here, you know, pushed everybody online for a time, then face-to-face was kind of put back on the table. But as we were talking about earlier, learners had gotten used to the convenience and kind of ease of learning online, but they missed gathering in person. 
And so it seems like this blending of online and face-to-face, this combination of online and face-to-face has the potential to sort of scratch all those itches and, and really provide both convenience and effectiveness and connection. Yeah, and it helps learning take place over time and be, you know, reinforced in various ways, which we just, we know, you know, in terms of learning being effective for it to not be confined to a single event, whether that's online or off, but to be extended over time. And if you can sort of switch it up online and off in different ways of people connecting and communicating and absorbing the information and the experience with each other, you're going to be more effective with your learning experiences. The next area, the second area where we saw more than 50% of respondents already engaging is social learning. I think, again, COVID probably helped tip this one, you know, during the the lockdown days of the, the pandemic. A lot of people gained new appreciation for the value of being with and learning from and with others. So, you know, definitely a real sort of craving developed for this. And some organizations learned how to do that well online. I think all organizations need to learn how to do that to well online. We just talked about, you know, this sort of blended approach online, offline. Um, again, I think people wanting to come together again, but, uh, but we're seeing now, you know, as a standard practice, organizations are actively pursuing social learning in one form or another and making that a component of their learning experiences. And, you know, social learning is really at the heart of the learning business mastermind that we mentioned earlier. I mean, Mm -hmm. that really is predicated on this idea of peers having value to share with one another and being able to help one another improve and learn. So we're very bought into and committed to this idea of the importance and the value and the effectiveness of social learning, peer-to-peer learning, cohort-based learning, all things under that umbrella. Definitely. I, I think, you know, with social learning, you know, all of this stuff, you have to learn how to do it well. And, and I think being thoughtful about social learning, helping to structure it, to facilitate it, to scaffold it, all of those things help to make it much more effective. So it's just another one of those areas for, I mean, organizations are doing it. It's kind of a standard practice now, as we're saying, how do we keep getting better and better at it? The third area where more than 50% are engaged is around analyzing and using data to inform product decisions. So this could be whether to develop a new product or how to improve an existing product. So 57% are doing something in that area, which is very heartening. I mean, like, yeah, that's yeah, sort that, of one of the, <laughs> Thankfully, this one is finally tipped. Yeah. Well, and maybe it's disheartening that it's only 57%, yeah. um, but to our mind is really just good practice, you know, that we really have to be careful to not assume that we know our learners' motivations and needs. And even if we do know them, to we don't want to assume that they don't change over time. So this is where data really comes in to make sure we aren't making assumptions. And then we need to gather new data, analyze new data periodically so that we are keeping up with uh, an accurate view of our marketplace and our learners and their needs. And to be sure, we have a very strong bias on this one because this is a large amount of the consulting work we do as Tagoras is really around market assessment and getting this data and analyzing this data, helping organizations use that to make good decisions about the products that they're going to create or the products that they need to revitalize or whatever the, the case might be. But boy, you know, whether you work with a consultant or not, even if you do work with a consultant, you need this skill internally. You need, first of all, the practice of gathering meaningful data, but then having some some capacity, some capabilities to analyze that data and, and to make use it meaningfully to make decisions. 
Microlearning was the fourth area with 54.5% of respondents saying they're doing something with microlearning. And, you know, adult learners, adults in general tend to just be very busy. You know, most of us aren't spending whole days at a time on learning. And so if we can learn something meaningful and valuable in a little, you know, 10 minute, 15 minute block that we can carve out of our day, then that's a huge win. So I think microlearning just right now fits so well with the realities of current uh, demands on most people's schedules. And we also know from a learning science standpoint that microlearning is going to make it more likely that it's the kind of thing you can revisit, right? If you can revisit over time, which is going to help with this idea of spaced learning and you know repetition, which is going to help to, to build true learning and, and something that is maintained and held on to over time. And I, I haven't heard a lot of, uh, I haven't read a lot or, or heard much discussion about this, but it just seems like microlearning is going to fit so well into what's now happening with generative AI. And, you know, chat GPT has been so useful because a big part of the way people like to learn is, is that they've got these questions. They want to they ask these questions and then they want to get some answers and, and some ways to address whatever it is, that challenge or that opportunity in the moment. And sometimes that's just a snippet of text that comes back and says, you know, here's the answer to what you just asked about. But other times they need something a little more in depth. And for, for microlearning to be what's available in, you know, those interactions, you're asking ChatGPT about something and here's, you know, a, a 10 minute content module to address that. I would definitely be thinking about that as a learning business right now, how you sort of fit into that flow with your microlearning. And then the last area where over... 50% of respondents are already active is in virtual conferences. And so I think we've already touched on this, that COVID really probably had a hand in, in tipping this into an area where the majority are, are doing something, but people have gotten used to that convenience. And so, you know, this probably isn't likely to go away even now that, you know, face-to-face -face is, is back on the table. There is a place and a use and a good purpose for virtual conferences, online conferences. So we're seeing a majority doing that. They're doing it though. I mean, anecdotally, I'm hearing a lot of organizations that are dialing back on it. They're dropping it now that they don't have to do it. Again, I think that is a mistake. I mean, it doesn't mean that your annual event has to be a, a virtual conference, but you know, niche conferences that uh, get to go back to that accessibility uh, question that you raised, uh, Salisa, there's a huge portion of most organizations, audiences that just aren't ever going to show up at those face-to-face -face events. They can't afford it. They don't like the hassle of it, whatever it is. But to do, you know, good, solid, you know, niche type online conferences, again, it should just be a part of every learning business's portfolio at this point. So we'll offer kind of a quick benchmarking exercise here. Just stop and think, you know, how many of these five areas is your organization active in? And so it can be anywhere between zero and five. And once you have that number, you know, make sure that you have a good reason if you're not doing one of these things. These are becoming expected. They're becoming something that learners are, are likely to think that they can get from you. So if you're not doing something in one of these areas, make sure you understand why. And you know, maybe you do have a legitimate reason to not be active in that area, or maybe it's something you need to be thinking about for 2024 and beyond. Yeah, and, and, and seriously, do ask that, because we're not saying by this, oh, you have to rush out and start doing microlearning and social learning and virtual conferences you know, right away if you're not doing them. But, you know, you should be seriously looking at it and understanding whether you should be doing them, where they might fit, 
And in some cases, they may not. It, it's possible that they, they, these just don't fit in terms of standard practices for your learning businesses, but make sure you know what that reason is if, if you're gonna make the decision not to do it. Make time to reflect on the past, take stock, celebrate progress and accomplishments, and then set goals and intentions for the future. Do this for yourself and for your learning business. Doing so will help you lay the foundation for a successful 2024 for you and your team. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 391, you'll find show notes, a transcript, and options for subscribing to the podcast if you're not already subscribed. And we'd be grateful if you would take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you enjoy the show. Salise and I personally appreciate reviews and ratings, and they help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Please spread the word about leading learning. You can do that in a one-on-one -on -one note or conversation with a colleague, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 391, you'll find links to connect with us on X, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Mm -hmm.